Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode is everything you wanted to know about EQ but were afraid to ask. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric. I'm doing well, and I hope all our listeners are too. And hey, Jeff, before we get started, I wanted to reach out to the listeners to ask them, if you would, we value your feedback. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a review on Apple or whatever podcast platform you may use, we really, really would appreciate it. Okay, Jeff, I thought about your title, and I mean, I'm thinking, that's a great title for this. (laughs) Um, And it's pretty clear, right? We we get a lot of questions from people, right? Right. Some I know happen when we're doing a session. Some happen we get emails or there's something on social media. So I thought um, it'd be great today if we could kind of just go through some of the questions that we've we've, get, we've received before and kind of talk a little bit and give some answers, give some clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I will forewarn the audience. Uh, we probably won't get through all of them because there's a ton of questions, but I think we can plow through them pretty efficiently and and get you guys some good good insight so um jeff yes uh, one of the questions i looked at you had provided me that i um i've heard a lot Uh but i think it's really really a good one it's what role does eq play in the workplace when people think about the workplace they uh they tend to Ebenezer Scrooge it, I guess. Okay. Where you have to be just focused on the work and making the money and the profit and getting the product out. Right. Um, all those are important. That's why any business is in business is yeah. to do those things. But to add a, the element of emotional intelligence to that business setting is going to make those things happen much smoother, easier, uh, be more productive, 
and I really believe that the employees and the employer will be much happier and and proud of what they're doing. Yeah, that's great. That's great because um, I've thought about this um, with some advice I'd given my son one time about work, you know, and I said, you know, it's really, really important to find the work that you really feel fits who you are. I said, because you, you, you need to face the reality. Every job's going to have stuff that you hate to do. Mm-hmm. The trick is, is finding the work that you really dig so that when the bad stuff that you don't want to do comes along, you're in a much better place. And I think that's kind of uh, like what you're talking about. Yeah, because, you know, we've talked about all the competencies that we use in our model of EQ, and some of those competencies will help you get through that stuff that maybe you don't like doing because yeah. you, you can understand that, you know, the consequence of me not doing this. Yep. It's or the consequence of me doing it. You you have to look at that yeah. and see. Well, if I go ahead and do it, good things are going to happen. Yeah. If I yeah. don't do it, you know, um, just you know, the, those confidence work into it. Well, um, here's another one. I'm going to keep moving here because I I know we we've got a ton of questions. Um, will I be perceived as weak if I let emotions have a role in my decision making? <laughs> That one I've heard, and I've got to uh, admit that when I first was introduced to emotional intelligence, that was one of the questions I had. Some of these questions I came up with were ones that I had when I was introduced to this. And some people may see you as as weak because they don't understand where you're coming from now because you'll you'll be acting in a different way. You'll be showing – a different face to the world of how you're doing it. And having those emotional intelligence skills will help you get through if someone does feel that you're you're weak because you're emotion. And when we talk about emotions, we're not talking about um, crying jags or yeah. Yeah. things like that. It's It's using the emotions for what they're there for. Well, I've always thought that question was a bit um – It was contradictory because if you're a human being, you have emotions. Exactly. So to say if uh, I'm weak, if I let my emotions – well, how can you – you can't shut down your emotions, Jeff, right? You can't just turn them off. You can try, but it doesn't work (laughs) and uh, bad things can happen if you do that. Yeah, I mean, and and that's a great point, right? There are some who feel like, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stuff these uh, when I go into this meeting, or I'm gonna stuff these when I have this. But again, you're a human being, and every human being has emotions, I mean, and I think it's I think, and and this is one of the um, the, the other questions. As maybe I'll I'll kind of pivot a little bit to this next question, as far as well. What is emotional intelligence and what are emotions? I, I want to say one more thing about oh, yeah. what we go were back, talking about. Yeah. The thing is, if you're practicing emotional intelligence and you're working on it, people aren't going to know that you're doing it. Oh, I, I, I sense a music <laughs> analogy coming. I sense it, Jeff. <laughs> it's coming. All right. I'll, I'll let you handle that part. But, yeah, it it becomes a natural part and you're not talking about you're not talking about your emotions. You're doing something with them. And if if you're practice at it or as you're working on becoming practice at it, it becomes natural and it's not noticeable. Jeff, 
So last night, can you believe it? Last night, I am watching a video, and it's one of these uh, tutorial videos on YouTube about great songs and how they were put together. Mm -hmm. This one wasn't like biographical as in, you know, the artist's career and where they were heading. It was just basically just looking deeply into the, the song. The producing and the... Yeah, and, and the chord progressions mm -hmm. and, you know, instrumentation, that kind of thing. And it was with Seal. Okay. Uh, you may remember that song, Kiss from a Rose, right? Grammy-winning mm -hmm. song, um, just just a big hit back in, I think it was like the mid-'90s. But anyway, he, he actually had Seal on and asked him about this one section of the song and how he came up with it because it was so... It was so beautiful, but at the same time, it was very complex and intricate and blah, blah, blah. And Seal says, uh, I got to tell you, back when I wrote that song, I really I didn't know how to play an instrument. The only instrument I had was my voice. And he said, I had this tool. It was this some kind of technology. And he said, I just kind of felt like that was right to do that particular thing I did. And I thought, now here's a guy. That probably worked on his voice. He prepared. He, he you know, because my gosh, he was working with one of the greatest producers of all time, Trevor Horn. But that's another episode and another conversation. <laughs> but anyway, it was this was somebody who had been really, really working at it, and it produced in him that I know what I need to do. And you're right about emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. When you encounter somebody that has emotional intelligence, you know it. You just you, – you sense it. You, you can tell it. And my gut is more than likely they have been working on it. It's not some natural thing that people just wake up one day and they're that way. I agree. But they're not overt about it. There, there's not somebody who's saying, okay, right now I'm going to practice the competency of empathy, everyone, so get ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't put their EQ hat on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um so anyway, so thank you, Jeff, for allowing me to go into that music tangent because you know how much we like to use that here. Yes, I don't. <laughs> but it wasn't Miles Davis, so I, I'm I'm learning. Or I'm, Rush, uh, yeah, all right, exactly, <laughs> Miles or Rush. Um, so um, let's go back to that. Uh, what are emotions? What is emotional intelligence? Because I know if we start with what is emotional intelligence, that's probably one of the most common ones. Okay, they want that definition. Well, we have to. Do a little neuroscience, and I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm a neuroscientist and yeah. know all the, the correct names for all this stuff. But basically, emotions are there to protect you. There's a part of your brain, the amygdala, and some other things that are there to react when you're in danger mm -hmm. or to give, give you an idea of what's happening. And that's all emotions are. They're chemicals that are dumped into your bloodstream yeah. to tell you you need to pay attention to something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the almost like a message from you to you. Yeah, it's an alarm system. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. If you're if you're walking down the street or in the woods and you see a bear, it's going to kick a bunch of chemicals into you. There's a bear. Yeah. You'd better pay attention to that. Yeah. So that's an extreme example, but you know, it, it it when you're confronted with somebody at work, it does the same thing happens. Those chemicals are dumped into your bloodstream, and and emotional intelligence is learning how to use that information to make better decisions. We've said that multiple times in our podcast yeah. to say, okay, I am feeling an emotion. I'm feeling an emotion of of anger. So yeah. what is making me angry? I need to look around and see. So my cubicle mate did something. Now, okay, that's what's making me angry. 
do I need to do something about that? Do I need to take into consideration maybe they're having a bad day? All those kind of things. Right. But it just gives you a, a better understanding of what's happening around you and then using that information to respond instead of to react. Yeah, because in the end, you, it's the kind of the art of managing mm-hmm. that process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think this is the one of the things that's very um, inspiring and hopeful about emotional intelligence is that if we work on it, we will get to a place like you described earlier where you're really not consciously thinking about it as much as you – it now has, is a part of who you are. Exactly. Um, and, and, and I know it's tough for those who – are beginning the process because if it feels like you're kind of running a sprint in cement shoes, right? But I would just just hang in there because as you grow, you will get to that place where it'll feel kind of effortless, right? Right. It's just like anything else you practice. I mean, a little baby doesn't know how to walk and they have to learn how to do it. And, you know, most of the time we do it effortlessly, but you can trip and fall <laughs> as you get older or in your emotional intelligence. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking too, Jeff, um, and this just happened to me. I got a, I got a text message, um, and uh, the person that sent me the text message is someone that I've really been we've – been we've been wrestling with getting things set and straight about what we were going to – what our plans were in a business setting for Spirit of EQ. And um, it's been a blend. I mean, there have been frustrations on our end. There's been silence on their end. And it's been – so when we finally kind of got things set, um, it was like when we get a chance to really go to a place that we need to go, we always feel like it's important to take advantage of that. Well, I get a text message from him, and immediately, you know, I'm going, it's him. Okay, I got I got I got to call him right away. So the emotion that I'm feeling at that time, right? Anticipation. Mm-hmm. Um a little bit of apprehension because again, kind of this moving target thing. But as I'm walking downstairs to go to an area where I could talk with more privacy, I'm thinking remember you, you your words have got to be few. You've got to be succinct. You got to be focused, okay? You do not go there toward the apprehension, toward fear. Like somehow he's going to make this statement that, okay, I, I totally want to turn everything upside down. You don't have that data yet. You need to – so I'm having this self-conversation. Now, Jeff, again, this comes back again to this beauty of this effortlessness, right? I wasn't going, oh, I'm using consequential thinking. And when <laughs> you use consequential thinking, you weigh the cost and the benefit. No, I'm kind of doing what I do. And and I know we joke about the music thing, but it applies so much. You know, this idea of we practice, we practice, we practice, but when the lights go on and the show starts, we go. When I, for the first time in over a year, I was able to play some music in front of people over this weekend. Oh, and, awesome. And, and I, I did some practicing because I haven't played much, but I don't – you know, when you're playing a song, I'm not thinking. Now I do a G, then it's a D, and right. You just you ha- you have to know where you're going with it. Exactly, and I think um, those who are non musicians may wonder, but I don't know how to. Well, see, this is what we're saying: is that this is learnable, mm-hmm. right? This is not something. The only people that this won't work for are those that don't want to work on it. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of that idea that 
if if you if you're willing to put it in, you will get the benefit will come back to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to go to the next question. Okay, um, so the touchy feely topic like emotions. Um, won't it get too personal? And, and I'm going to stop you there because I'm going to take that first part. Okay. The touchy-feely about emotions. I have said multiple times, whether it's on our podcast, you and I having side conversations, mm-hmm. is that we have so butchered the idea of emotions, right? Uh, it, it's like when people hear the word emotions, at least hopefully this is changing. It's just this idea that we're going to sit in a room and cry about how when we were five, you know, our, our cat ran away or something. Or, or we're giddy with happiness. Yeah, like, hey, let's all have a hug or pre-COVID, sorry, post-COVID, <laughs> <laughs> a fist bump. Fist bump, yes. Right? I mean, all that, but that, it's so much more than that. No, it's, it's not that. Um, some people show them that way. That's who they are. That's okay. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is something that is built into us to use. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's not the touchy-feely. But it might mean that you might have to show some empathy Mm -hmm. and – and you said, you know, won't it get too personal? You you have to set boundaries for for this. But you might have to make yourself vulnerable to someone because – you know, your cubicle mate that I just mentioned before did something that made you angry. You may need to listen to them and find out that they just had a tragedy. That yeah. last phone call was a parent died. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Well, and your um, your point about boundaries, which I think is where people can relax a bit about um, sort of engaging around emotions, right? Um, I know from experience there was a, a an event where we were it was a training I believe if I, my memory serves um, and there was a great deal of focus on vulnerability and being open and telling your story and on and on and um, when it came to my turn um, I did not feel like I was in a safe environment to go as deep as initially thought I could. It was nothing wrong with the people that were there. It wasn't that I thought, oh my gosh, if I say this, they're going to run with that and go tell somebody else. It was just that I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. And I set a boundary. And it, and it was kind of wonderful because one of the people at the conference, uh, at the training said, um, why didn't you do, why didn't you go there? Because I thought you were going to go much deeper. And I go, I just, he says, you didn't feel it was safe, did you? And I go, no, I didn't. Now, if we don't have emotional intelligence or if we haven't, shall we say, if your emotional intelligence hasn't been developed, you could make the mistake of just going there anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, and that's a tough lesson for me personally is to understand when it's right and when it's not. That's one of the best ways to make sure it doesn't get too personal. And that's the, that's the beauty of it because you're on the – you are feeling unease, unease, mm-hmm. discomfort. Yep. That's on the same continuum, I guess, as danger. Just yeah. a different level. You weren't feeling physically in danger, but you were feeling emotionally in danger or just unease. And you explored that, it sounds like, and decided right now this is not for me to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I again, I, I would just say these are some of that 
the, the competencies and the growth that comes from emotional intelligence that moves you to a place of being able to discern, right? To be able to go, okay, this is the right time. This is not the right time. And Jeff, I, I, I've had things that I told you eight months ago that you and maybe five other people know. Mm-hmm. I've just started to be willing to use it in my work with people I don't know. But it, Jeff, if you would have said to me, well, Eric, I'm sure you're going to go out tomorrow and use that at a conference, <laughs> I would have said, oh, no, I can't. It's not safe. And, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and I want to stress to people, to our audience, the safety is not that they're bad people in front of you. The safety is you feeling at peace with what you're going to reveal, right? Um, so anyway. Well, one, one more thought about that. Yeah. If, if you're – let's say in a business and they decide to go down the the path of emotional intelligence which we would love every business to do that yes, better world that way if their model or their however they're doing it requires you to do things that you're not comfortable with that's a bad eq program and jeff i'm so glad you mentioned that 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 is a key one because um we have interacted with clients mm-hmm. who at first might have been going down the road of, well, I want my team to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we need to do to get started? And we're like, well, hold on. <laughs> Are you, you're telling them it's mandatory that they do this. Not a good idea. No. Not a good idea. Um, and, and this is with the reality that some cultures, some companies' cultures, and it's tough to accept and it's tough to swallow – but they're cultures that have harnessed, or I should say, have um, they've built a culture of mistrust. Mm-hmm. And and we've heard this before, right? Oh, it's just the flavor of the month, right? Or we go through all these programs, we do all these different things, but then it never goes anywhere. And and that goes beyond just having a program. It's the politics of that that business is probably cutthroat. I don't know what other word to use. You know, you can't show any vulnerability because that's a weapon now to be used against you. Well, and I I would say um, that um, one of the things that, I mean, and I want to be hopeful for those companies that maybe, I mean, because sometimes cultures, I mean, it's a very powerful thing. So it, it, I'm not saying it was created on its own because Mm -hmm. the actions of leadership typically are what shape that. But there is an p- opportunity to change and turn around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that senior level leader can be vulnerable and can, if if they're willing to, and say, we've made a mistake. We've done th- five different programs and we never went anywhere with them. And that's not okay. And, and, and this is where we're going to start to do it the right way. Now, that doesn't come from, hey, I went to a seminar and this is what you say when you're in that situation. <laughs> you really got to have it in your heart that that's really what you mean. And and that's one of the reasons that we would much prefer a client to start with the leadership team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because ultimately, without that, you're, you're going to have this sort of cross-current with with within the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to tell you, even if uh, an organization out there that might be listening and is planning on doing a program with somebody other than us, 
be very careful because if your people at mid-management and entry-level whatever are growing their emotional intelligence and you as a leader are not, <laughs> that's a recipe. <laughs> and I don't need to tell you what the recipe is for. <laughs> I mean, it can be really, really, really bad. And we've seen it. I mean, exactly. We've seen it. Okay, Jeff, next question. Okay. All right. How can I learn what emotions I'm feeling? <clears throat> Pay attention. You know, I, I've told people this, that if you want to you know, f- find out what emotions that you're feeling during the day, maybe at lunchtime, just do a log. I don't want to sign a lot of homework. I've said that before. Right. Think about them. Whatever works for you. I, you know, go back over your morning at lunch. Okay, when I, when I met with Eric, Eric, no fault of his own, he gave me some news that was bad. How did I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Did I feel angry? Did I feel curious about what's next steps? Think about what you were feeling when this happens, and then just go from there. That's that's about all you can do. There's no magic wand. You know, we can give you a list and charts and everything else with all the emotions listed, uh, but that's not going to help you. It might help you give a name to an emotion, but it's not going to help you to recognize it. It's just, it's just practice. Well, and I think that there's another um, thing that can be added to that too, Jeff, is that as you, as you go through the process of becoming more literate with your emotions, uh, you're better informed. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know from my own experience, um, many, many years ago, that feeling paralyzed, like, what is this? Why is this? I, I can't seem to – and it's just frustrating. As I look now and I can see – and obviously we, we've been exposed to a lot of data and a lot of instruction mm-hmm. around this whole uh, idea and this, this, these disciplines. Being able to understand what it means and what are some of those typical messages? But one thing you said I think is really, really key, and in a world in which we live in that always seems to be running at 30 miles over the speed limit, mm-hmm. we do have to pause. Mm-hmm. We do have to slow down, take some time to reflect. Um, I don't know. There's, there's this idea, at least been in my head lately, about – um, an unwillingness to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and though this is not a direct answer to that question, I think it will help people. Any great work of art, literature, music, fill in the blank, a great book, a great podcast for that matter. Invention, whatever. It should cause a prompt for you to reflect. If it does not, it may mean – I'm underline may because I don't know all content. I can't. Mm-hmm. But it might mean that the ideals are lacking. Or it might mean you're going too fast. You're just not slowing down enough. And one one caution that I want people to remember when you're talking about reflection is – it's not to beat yourself up. Thank you. You don't go through and say, okay, my interaction with Eric when he gave me that bad news was, was not what I really liked. Use it as a learning moment. You may need to go back and apologize to the person, but right. don't beat yourself up because if you're trying 
to move ahead. If you're trying to learn these things, you know, that's a noble thing to be doing. Don't beat yourself up for that. Yeah. Learn learn from those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. All right, another question. What is one concrete benefit of learning EQ? Hmm. Just one. <laughs> yes, you're limited to one, Jeff. Better decision-making. Ah, that's a great one. And I, I want to make sure you understand when I say better decision-making, it goes from teeny tiny things to big things. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think decision-making, we always think of, you know, do I need to, you know, am I going to change jobs to this other company? Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you know, big things like that. Am I going to buy a house? Am I going to get married? Right. Um, things like that, that that involve concrete monetary, physical, uh, things like that. Yeah. But also, what kind of mood am I going to be in today? How you know? How am I going to start out? You know, I when I use that example, you know, Eric brings me something that you know, no fault of his own, but it's bad news. I make the decision of how I'm going to react to that. That's part of this decision making project or prospect process. Process. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I I can decide I'm going to dump on Eric. Because he brought me this bad news, mm-hmm. or I can go, wow, okay, we need to rethink some things. Let's Eric and I sit down and see what we can do to take care of this. Those are decisions that I'm making, yeah. and not letting, you know, the anger or whatever it was that I felt when he gave me this bad news. I, I that anger, I think, okay, he told me something I don't like. Where do we go from here? Just how do we move ahead? So I think, for me, better decision-making. Okay. So here's one that I got recently during a um, a presentation. It was, okay, so what's the difference between EQ and IQ? (laughs) I, you know, that that can get kind of nerdy, wonky, and really, really in the weeds. Mm -hmm. I kind of simply put it, uh, one is very dynamic and the other is fairly static. And what I mean by that is EQ is dynamic because it is based on – it's not based on the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Brett, our producer, you, Jeff, and myself today here in the studio, what we're going to encounter this afternoon may be radically different than what we're going to encounter tomorrow afternoon. Exactly. Uh, which, quite frankly, that's why emotional intelligence is so powerful for us as a tool, because it's really you're really if you think about it, you're equipped to manage all these different things that come your way. IQ is really pretty static because it's been measured and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and as you said earlier in the show, I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't really believe there's a ton of things you can do to increase your IQ above where you have arrived at a certain point in your adult life. I, I think there's some things you can do to help maintain it. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously you can learn new skills, new yeah. new things like that. But, yeah, your IQ is pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's pretty much what it is. Um, another thing around that, um, because it gets to that idea about the um, 
the action-oriented nature of emotional intelligence, that dynamic thing mm -hmm. that I mentioned. Uh, and one of the things that I've found, especially in the last 16 to 17 months or so, as we've been grappling, dealing, whatever you want to call it, with this pandemic and all the other stuff that's happened, right, is that those that have a difficult time accepting that something has occurred and how to navigate that, um, it, it is a somewhat of a reflection on how much they've been working on the dynamic of emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. right? And I had this conversation with an individual who laid out to me a very convincing argument about how something was handled in the, in the pandemic incorrectly. And I basically, and I, I did it with some sensitivity. There was a little bit of, a little drip of sarcasm. <laughs> but it was kind of like, well, yeah, but they didn't. So what? Okay, so because I'm, I'm kind of in the mindset um, of, okay, optimistic urgency tells me acknowledge it, be curious about it, examine it, and then you're going to got to wipe the dust off of your pants and keep moving. Mm -hmm. Because I explained to them, I got to figure out happiness even as the world is falling apart. Because if I don't do that, then I'm going to be at the mercy of circumstances. It'll be one of those things, Jeff, where imagine as we record these podcast episodes that depending on what happened to me on the drive over or depending on what happened to me the night before will determine whether or not it's going to be a good interaction with you and I. Mm -hmm. it, it could, I could even imagine getting to a place where you would be doing the show on your own and explaining to the audience, well, Eric couldn't make it today because, you know, this happened to him and this happened to and this happened. And I understand there are some things that prevent us from fulfilling what we need to fulfill. But I'm talking about I didn't like the way they handled the pandemic. I didn't like who got <laughs> elected. I didn't like what that guy did on the freeway. I didn't like how my boss asked me <laughs> because, Jeff, I, you and I know this. Those things are always going to be happening. There's always, always, always. And if we look back and are honest enough, it's, it's been happening. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to name another benefit. All right. Okay. Love it. Serenity. As in serenity now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. See, Seinfeld's in my brain. I couldn't help it. <laughs> I got George's dad. All right. Sorry. <laughs> serenity. But what you're describing is serenity. Being able to take those things that are, yeah. are roadblocks and giving them the attention that they need. Some of these roadblocks, yeah, you do need to do something about them. Yeah. Some of them you can't, but doing the proper thing with them and moving on. And it, and when I, you know, everybody thinks serenity is just, you know, sitting in a corner mm -hmm. contemplating your navel. <laughs> no, it's, it's more of a uh, way of life, a way of mindset, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for the audience, I, I would tell you that I know it sounds like, oh, that's great, Eric, that you know how to do it. But I – well, here's the thing. I was not always like that. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you I was not always like that. That's why we stress so much about practice and working on yourself because when you do that, I don't know, Jeff – my experiences within our work and what I've seen outside of our work, 
90, 95% of the time, the person's going to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, they are. It, to kind of paraphrase the serenity prayer, know the things you can change and deal with the things that you can't. Yeah. And yes, I know it, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard work mm-hmm. because there are some things that happen to us, circumstances that we don't like. But see, again, I, I think we come back to that. That's the beauty of what we're talking about here is that ability to kind of look at it from a different angle, recognizing that we've been given tools to be able to do that so that we can move a path forward, mm-hmm. right? All right. So this one is um, one that I am always fascinated by, and this is not a direct question. I'm going to go with the subject as a whole and, okay. and, and kind of look at it. Neural pathways. What's that all about? And I want to connect it, Jeff, to th- this idea about how I deal with change, right? How do I uh, – maybe even kind of going to what we were saying earlier about circumstances. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, well, what role does do neural pathways play in emotional intelligence? Um, neural pathways to me are – your I can't think of the right saying uh, your known route ah. it's how you get from this to that, yeah, easily you don't have to think about it, you know it's ingrained you know if if you have to commute to work, you know you could almost do it in your sleep or with your yeah. blindfolded because you know you you know that, but what happens with a neural pathway is that destination you want to get to might change. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to have to figure out a different way to get to it. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure out a new route, and that takes practice, and that takes time and effort to do that. So that um, in this case, we're, we're talking about emotional intelligence. I want to be able when, – when somebody makes me angry, I don't want to take the path I used to take, which was to get angry back. Yeah, yeah. When somebody makes me angry, I want to take a different pathway that will make the situation better, whatever that looks like. Yeah. So that pathway in your brain is there. That's the easy way. Now you have to develop a new easy way. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, just um, a few days ago, um, we, we, in our home, we have two sets of dishes. We have a plain white set of dishes, and then we have these kind of uh, – I call them, they remind me of like a, of a, of an Indian as in, um, you know, kind of the old West Santa Mm -hmm. Fe kind Mm -hmm. of terracotta mixed with turquoise type thing. And my wife asked me, why do you still use the old ones that have, that are very, you know, ornamental? And I said, um, I don't, I don't know. I just, (laughs) I just kind of always go to them. Right. That's your neural pathway for dishes. Neural pathway for dishes. So I said to myself, okay, tomorrow I'm going to use the plain white ones. And don't you know, what was the first thing I did when I was starting (laughs) to use dishes that following morning? I started to go to the old dishes. I'm bringing this up because everybody needs to be aware it's not like that just because you decided, I'm not going to get angry anymore, that immediately the next day you won't get angry. 
right? That that old pathway is still there, and it beckons you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you from the experience of dishes, it certainly does because it was known to us. And if you think about how our brains work, it's our brain trying to help us because our brain wants us to find – the most efficient, the most safe. I mean, all the things that make our life have order. What's worked for us. What's worked for us. Our brain is not able to to kind of know that, wait a minute, Jeff, anger is not your friend. Your brain's not going to come to you and say, hey, I think it's time we had a little conversation about you and anger. It doesn't work that way. That's usually my wife. <laughs> yeah, your wife takes that role. Because if, if you think about it, if that was the case, well, you would have been dealing with anger much better years ago. Mm-hmm. But the reality is our brain is very pliable, right? All that neuroplasticity, it will adjust and adapt to the new way. So whether it's I'm not using dishes that have color, I'm using dishes that are just plain white, or whether it's anger or whatever it may be, your brain will begin. And not everybody's the same. Some people, it may be a week. Some people, maybe three weeks. Some people, maybe two months, whatever. But your brain will flex to that new approach. So somewhere on that pathway, Jeff, as you gave the example of anger, your brain will begin to be your ally in handling anger differently. You have more information because your brain will recognize when I responded with anger with Eric, this happened. When I didn't respond, it was much better. Right. And I'm implying a lot here in the sense mm-hmm. of the narrative. But it's almost as if our brains are getting this data that's telling them, hey, I, th- I sense a change. I sense we're, we're going to handle anger differently here. All right. So give a little more support. Give a little more support. And then, depending on who you are and how you're wired, you'll wake up one day and it'll be, well, no, I don't scream when I get angry anymore. That's not that's not effective. It's not useful to me. And please, as Jeff alluded to earlier, audience, don't be hard on yourself if you trip and go back to that old neural pathway. It, I mean, it, it can happen when when that chemical stuff is happening in your brain. It'll overpower it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you'll recover quicker. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, this is a good one. How do you relate to someone who is not emotionally intelligent? Hmm. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. um, I think you just need to turn up your skills. Ah. The the skills you've developed, uh, somebody that, you know, is – has not or has refused to sometimes, you know, done that, learned these things. Mm -hmm. So – you need to make sure that you're not responding to them or react, reacting to them in the same way they're reacting to you. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, what I'm saying, but you just, I think you need to turn up your skills that you've developed and, and really rely on them. Um, it may not help, but for your own sake, <laughs> yeah. you need to understand that Keep in mind they're not a bad person. They're not evil or they – Well, what if they are? (sighs) (laughs) Throw you that curve. Uh, I've got some uh, – I have an ulterior motive of throwing that at you, Jeff. But 
I, I never can remember where it is in the Bible, but it says one of the worst things you can do to your enemy is be nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> so be very nice to them. <laughs> I don't think that's really – that's uh, the right, first thought yeah. that I had. Yeah. But uh, what defines evil? Um, and here's where I was going, right? So especially when you think about it in the sense of work relationships – and maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a, a colleague, a peer, or whatever. Uh, there are some people who are doing things for the wrong reasons, wrong motives, and quite frankly, might be the type of people that might, upon an opportunity, pull the rug out from underneath you to help themselves, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't want to go into too deep of a level here. However, um, you know, we talk a lot about competencies, and, mm-hmm. and in our model that that we that we use, there are specific competencies uh, to learn, to leverage, and grow in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I say that for our audience, Jeff, so that everyone out there, you know, that it, it is not just a regurgitation of just some terms, right? Like they they're just you know we pull them out of the air, or we always just say this, right? Mm-hmm. It, these are legitimate things that. You work on, and where I'm going with that is the consequential thinking. Because at some point, um, that person, the time for empathy is later. You may be in a position where you got to really get right in there with consequential thinking. This person did this. Okay, I know what I'm thinking about doing, but is this the right time? Do I need to get counsel? I mean, just really applying a lot of that deep weigh the cost, weigh the benefit. Um, I actually feel much like you, and I've known you for a long time, Jeff, that there's typically something behind those that do that, have that kind of mm-hmm. behavior that might be worthy of empathy. But remember, when you're on the ground and you've just been shot, the time to sympathize with the person who just shot you or empathize with the person who shot you could potentially be better suited for later. That moment and that time, consequential thinking. Being emotionally intelligent does not mean you're supposed to be walked over. Yeah. Stomped down. That's not what it's about. Being emotionally intelligent is to get a better outcome in those situations when somebody's trying to do that to you, either yeah. intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, and I and I do very much believe to that 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 consequential thinking um, is is aided by that idea of curiosity versus judgment. Um, the idea that okay, instead of me rushing to say that that person is an X, I'm going to be curious and and please hear me out. I'm talking about being curious. Okay, what was the circumstances? What was the situation? Has it happened before? What would they have to gain? I want to understand more. I'm going to get feedback. Oh, you know what? Now is not the time for me to give this particular response. I'm going to, Jeff, hey, can I talk to you a little bit later about what happened in the room with such and such? Mm-hmm. Jeff, have you ever seen this? What do you think was going on there? Mm-hmm. Then I might at that time, right? And I get it because I, I also had – this is another question, see? And I think it's going to have to be our last because I told – we're, we're running late. We're running behind. <laughs> There's so many questions and so little time. Uh, that rhymes, by the way, and I just thought about that. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, the question was around um, uh, somebody in the medical field 
who basically asked, well, how do you apply emotional intelligence when some of your decisions have to be made in like seconds? So let's process on that one. That's a surprise question, right? Yeah. Um, I think in a situation like that, and I know medical is not the only place where I there's mean, quick decisions. Need we to be have made. you have quick decisions when you're driving to work. Ah, good one. You, you emotional intelligence will help you. I know maybe not make the decision, but it'll give you the tools to get to the decision. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when we go into a if we're going into a business, we're not trying to help them change their product or develop different systems for doing things. We're there just to help them learn how to do that on their own. And with with a with a doctor or somebody in that, they have to learn to trust on their skills mm-hmm. and make that decision and, and weigh the consequences. Well and that was the thing I was gonna go to as well. Um, and I think in a, as an addition your all of us have been equipped our brains i mean one day maybe we'll know exactly just how powerful and on and on and on um our brains are right but because of that because of how marvelously we're made whether you got to make a split second decision or whether you've got a night to think about it mm-hmm. You're equipped to do it. Yeah. Because what I have found, Jeff, and, and I, I don't think it was the motivation of the person that asked this question, if we're really gut honest with ourselves, the reasons we have challenge with some of these things is because we don't work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We will run to pillar post to find out where are the Buckeyes ranked in the new AP polls. We will do everything under the sun to make it to that particular establishment to hang out on a Friday night. And again, and you've heard me say this, Jeff, those things aren't inherently bad. No. But when you got a list of about 10 things that you're super psyched about and you're willing to do and you do them on a regular basis, and number 11 is you, I'm just going to straight out and say it. Maybe it's just my opinion. You've got a problem. Your priorities are out of whack. Right. You know, I've been thinking about that with, like, the medical profession doing a surgery or something. Mm -hmm. They – emotional intelligence will help them, okay, I make this decision. Is there any warning bells going off? You know, that's what that that part of your brain is for. You know, that if I do this, is this really going to happen? Jeff, as always, it's been great. These questions are coming, and I think we're going to do a second part because we couldn't get to all of them, as I, I said at the beginning. But I'm sure there will be more. There will be more probably in between. So, everyone, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So. Yes. How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So 
Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us so to we're, hear. So we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based And it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.